there <laughs> we didn't agree on a theme before we started greeting but. it's just silly voices sorry yes. if you sound like that but your voice is silly <laughs> welcome in it to lmnop our podcast about about the greatest show on television forged Elementary. in fire Huh? For- Forged in Fire on the History Channel, where uh, blacksmiths from across the country compete mm-hmm. by making uh, steel blades. But then do they go home and forge at home, too? Well, only if they make it into the final rounds. Mm-hmm. And they make a historic piece of weapon from history. A weapon from history? Mm. Hmm. And is Ben Abbott a judge? Uh, well, only in the sixth season. Or oh. possibly fifth. Maybe fourth. We haven't got there yet, but yeah. definitely sixth. Mm-hmm. Only in the good episodes. Mm-hmm. Are we still talking about this? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Don't mean to hammer on. Oh. <laughs> Forges. <laughs> At the end of every episode, the host says... Well, every round. Yes, yes, every round. The it's host says... The contestant leaving the forge is... But he says the contestant leaving the forge is. The forge is. The forge is. Not five, <laughs> and not three. Forges. The, the forges. Anyway, it's a good show. Honestly, I like it. It is. It's um, a great thing to just have on. It doesn't take a lot of brain power. It has a lot of cool visuals. It's fun. They don't assume that you know all the words of a sword making thing. I still don't know what a ricasa is, but that's... It's a type of cheese. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You eat it with a spoon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mixture between, like, chopped and um, Great British Bake Off, I feel like, in terms of, like, pleasantness, but, like, high-strungness. Competition. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a competition, but it's no, like, cutthroat kitchen. Right. Yeah, where the hosts are like, oh, we hope you die. <laughs> They're, like, having a good time, and when somebody's blade goes wrong they still are like you you did good son you went on through and you you did you did your best you made a blade and we're proud of you yeah yeah exactly but now leave the forges (laughs) (laughs) and doug markida is there and he tells them whether or not their sword will kill it will kill (laughs) and that's not us making fun of his accent or anything he doesn't have an accent he just says it like that yeah your sword? He has fun. <laughs> we'll kill. It's so great, too, seeing the contestants that have been watching the the seasons. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're like, oh, that was the coolest thing ever, having Doug say that my sword will kill. Yeah. It's all I've ever wanted <laughs> for the last five years. Right, right. Yeah. Since I've started watching this show. <laughs> there was an episode that we watched recently of a guy who was like, I'm 18, and I have seven years of forging experience. And we were like, um... Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. most of the, the, the youngins started at, at 13, mm-hmm. but this guy had uh, uncaring parents. <laughs> Especially reckless parents, <laughs> yes. Anyway, 
That is all the talking we're going to do about Forged in Fire. Damn. Because this podcast is about Elementary from CBS with Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu, the show. Oh, I like that show. About Sherlock Holmes and Joan Watson. It's very good. I like Johnny Lee Miller. Me too. You know what I noticed this episode? Mm. His eyes are really big. I keep being like, oh, he's making like puppy face. It's because his eyes are large. Hmm. You know what I noticed this episode? What? Uh, Johnny Lee Miller slash Sherlock Holmes does not wear an undershirt. Oh, yeah. Underneath uh, mm-hmm. his button-up shirt. Mm-hmm. Yes. you get to see some uh, Johnny Lee uh, Tommy. T- Tommy Lee Miller. <laughs> um, isn't Tommy Lee Miller the one who made that sex tape with Pam Anderson? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. We really have been carrying on. Oh, boy. But I am your host, Val Flight Cub, a.k.a. Sherlock Holmes's arch nemesis on the high seas, Moriarty. <laughs> and I'm Alec, a.k.a. the serial killer named Accidental. A dentist that kills patients but makes it look like an accident. <laughs> Does he kill them in the dentist chair? Well, he has a dentist chair. It's not the one he uses on the other. You know, this is not like a Sweeney Todd situation where you kill at work. You know, that just oh, gets okay. messy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do. But I do have a. I mean, he does have a uh, dentist chair at home. This pretend. Yeah. This fake. Not real. Not me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why our apartment is so small. It's because it's small. It's not because we have an extra room that's only dedicated to serial killing that I'm not allowed in. Mm. Right. Right. Yes, but seriously, stay out of that room. That's fine. It's for my protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you know, my motto uh, actually comes from an Eminem song. Uh, Instead of getting crowned, you're going to get capped. Oh. <laughs> that Eminem. He's a sneaky one. <laughs> oh, Marshall. First name basis with Eminem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we continue to not be talking about <laughs> elementary. Lucy Lou. Happy belated birthday. Happy belated 52nd birthday to Lucy Liu. You asked me how old I thought she was, and I was like, I don't know, 42? Uh-huh. I'm like, eh, just a decade off. Yeah, she looks awesome. Also, we are watching a show from 2012. From eight years ago, yeah. Yeah. So you're still wrong, but you're less wrong if you're talking <laughs> about 2012 Lucy Liu, who was 48? No. This is not 40, a math podcast. 44. Johnny Lee Miller also had a birthday this year. November 19th, I think. Something like that. 15th. Yeah, we, it's more, more belated to Johnny Lee Miller. And also, I didn't look up how old he is. Or it's super early. No, it's, it's, I know it's like a couple, it was like a month right. or two ago. Or it's 11 months early. Okay, I see how, yeah. Yeah. This week, we watched season one, episode 21. Of elementary. Called A Landmark Story. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Kind of a pun. Kind of a play on it. Yeah, I, I forgot. It. I mean, it feels like a very small section of the whole episode. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, it's it's kind of like it has to do with the mystery. The, like, murder mystery that they solve. Right. But that murder mystery that they solve is so early in the show, and it's n- it's not really the focus of the episode. Th- this is probably one of a handful of not really just killer of the week 
episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it still manages to be a killer of the week. No, oh, of course. Because. You gotta. Yeah. So this episode starts with a previously on, which is how you know it's going to be some plot. You know, some long plot. And the previously on is, hey, remember when Sherlock was going to torture that guy? <laughs> Sebastian Moran. Because he thought he killed Ivory Nadler, but then he didn't. And you know that? You remember that? Anyway, welcome to the episode. So it starts with... So it's my guess we're going to see Moran, this guy. Who are you calling a Moran? <laughs> so it starts off with a bit of a shocking scene. Oh! <laughs> yes, it does. This fancy man comes home and he's like, Secretary, remind me to get the appraisals committee together. About the, I don't know, something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a, a scary man who's already hiding in this guy's living room. Hiding in the dark, really just he's, sitting on the he, couch. He's just in there, yeah. yeah. And when I say he's scary, it's just scary that he's there already. Mm-hmm. He's not even, he just is a guy. <laughs> and he's like, the rich man is like pouring himself a little glass of brandy or something. And the living room sitter opens up his laptop and he has a little like interface on his laptop screen. I don't know. And he presses a button on his keyboard and the rich guy is like, my heart, my heart hurts. And then the guy stops pressing the button on the keyboard and he stops being in pain. Wow. This guy a robot? No. A a cyborg? Cyborg. He's a cyborg. So the man sitting on the couch explains that he is a hacker. And he has hacked into rich man's pacemaker. Mm Mm-hmm. 1% cyborg is still technically a cyborg. And it's hackable. And he's in. (laughs) Because everyone knows pacemakers, just like cars, have a um, VIN number, Uh which is the same as saying an ATM machine. But anyway... Uh, and you every know. pacemaker has an ATM machine. In it. <laughs> and if you can hack into the money, you can hack into the pacemaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I which I was always like, why would you put the internet in this thing? But it's not the it's not the internet. I think, and also it's so that it can download updates right. or like software and stuff. Because you don't want to put in a pacemaker every couple years when mm-hmm. they. Get new technology. Pacemaker 11. <laughs> Pacemaker 11S. It's just too much. Yeah, especially when you're going into Pacemaker Surgery 11S. Mm-hmm. That's what the S stands for. <laughs> surgery. Yeah, so the guy is like, what do you want? He's like, I would love to just watch you die. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? But I'm not here for me. I'm here for someone else. And someone else wants you to vote revoke on the thingy-mo dude on the vote on the vote the vote do it revoke it or i will or I'll, or I'll kill you and he's like fine whatever let me just whip up my little ipad and log in boom revoke happy now can i go on living and living room guy is like thank you bye <laughs> thank you next because <laughs> he's like oh that's because he's a serial killer that's so like oh next Person, time to die. Oh, mm. there you go. A serial killer that only listens to Ariana Grande when he kills. Mm. A serial killer who is normal in one aspect. <laughs> only listening to Ariana Grande. So, yeah, so 
he's been messing with this guy's pacemaker to electrocute him. And he does it one last time and electrocutes him to death. And then he leaves. And he says, thank you, next. So now we go to the Department of Corrections. Sebastian Moran, remember him, Mm. is in Yale. J-A-I-L, Yale. Mm -hmm. And he's like this big bad guy. And he's like, they're all watching like American football or something. Basketball. Oh, basketball. And he's like. Turn it to the football. <laughs> and he turns it to something and he's like, no, the Arsenal game. And they do it. And as he's doing, as they're doing that, like flipping through the channels, everybody's like, hey, like none of the other prisoners want to watch the Arsenal game. No. But he's like, shut up. They were like, no. oh, it's big bad guy. We got to listen to him. He oh. runs this prison, apparently. Yeah. But as um, his little prison um, friend is... His uh, helper, Elf. <laughs> it's changing the channels. He flips through uh, past a, a news uh, article, Channel. is what I was going to say. That's not <laughs> right. Uh, but he, he flips past the news, and, and then he flips to the Arsenal game, and Moran's like, no, 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 go back to the news. And on the news is this story. Breaking news, rich guy dead. In his apartment, his wife is coming down from her vacation to... Something, something. Yeah, a rich guy has a heart attack and we got to hear about it on the news. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? But there it is. Well, he's a philanthropist according to the news. Oh. So, anyway. His name was Phil Lanthropist. <laughs> it is. So, now we go to the Brownstown and Sherlock is in a little straitjacket. Well, he's in a big, he's in a straight jacket. <laughs> he's in a normal sized straight jacket. And he's like, ah! And Joan is like, what's going on down here? And Sherlock's like, oh, it's a good thing you're here, actually. You know how to reset uh, dislocated shoulders. And Joan asks him, why are you in a straight jacket? Like, why are you dislocating your shoulder to get out of a straight jacket? Mm-hmm. And he says, because it had been too long. <laughs> He's like, I needed, a, I, I needed yeah. a refresher on how to do this. I know I can get out of one, but only if I practice. Right. And Joan resets it, and it's very painful, and it's just silly. It's it's very Sherlock. It's great. And the, the best part about it is is before she um, relocates his shoulder, uh, he gets a phone call from Gregson. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Captain, one second. What? <laughs> Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and Greg's just like, are you okay? Sherlock's He's like, like, yeah, I'm fine. What? What do you What do you want? Yeah. Did you call to ask me how I am? <laughs> you got a murder for me? <laughs> so apparently, Sebastian Moran has something to confess. He has a, a bunch of more vi- victims that Moriarty sent him to kill that he'll only tell Sherlock about. This seems like a great way to get Sherlock Holmes a secret message. Yeah, if that was his motive, that would be a really useful way to do it, is to say, I have valuable information that Sherlock will like, but I'll like, only tell it to him. It's like, what, why, moron, are you, you only want to talk to Sherlock, huh? I just don't like anybody else here. Like, listen, I, re- I only respect people that stab me in the gut. Mm-hmm. Sebastian said to Sherlock, you're the only bitch in this house that I respect. <laughs> uh, so, Sherlock's like, all right, fine. And so Moran is like, so 
I have some more Moriarty info for you. Sherlock's like, I don't care. I'm here for the because of the other victims. And Moran is like, I have bad news for you. That was a ruse <laughs> to get you to come here because I missed you. <laughs> and Sherlock like goes to leave, and uh, Moran is like, "Whatever, I know this guy." Phil Landropist. Well, well, he goes. He. This is the crazy thing. He goes. He goes. Will give him the thing, and will <laughs> the the, the Department of Corrections security guard. Yeah, is like, oh yeah, here you go, Mister Holmes. Is this newspaper article that I I clipped out? I clipped for for Sebastian because he asked because me he to. asked me to. Yeah. yeah. Either we're really great friends, or <laughs> I'm fucking scared of this guy. Right, which is not a good position for. a corrections officer to have no. in the prison. But anyway, Sherlock takes the clipping and he reads it and it says, Philanthropist died of heart attack. It was rich. <laughs> and Sherlock's like, this is a middle-aged guy who died of a heart attack. What am I looking at here? And Sebastian is like, you're looking at a murder <gasps> that was made to look like an accident because I was told to kill this guy a while ago. Oh, shoot. And I was going to, but then I got locked up. So he's like... Oh, like in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were saying, like, I got busy in a weird way. I, know, I got, you know, my schedule got all locked up. I got t- uh, I got tied up. Yeah. I, it's been really <laughs> hectic in Murder Town. So... <laughs> and so he's like, okay, well, that's all you have for me. Great. Thanks for the info. Bye. And Moran is like, hey, by the way, you didn't... You, you you didn't hear anything. Yeah. Shh, can't tell anyone. You didn't hear anything about this from me. I, if anyone asks you what you heard here, just tell them nothing. And nothing happened here. Nothing happened. And Sherlock's like, what? Nothing did happen. And Sebastian Moran is like, oh. And he kills the guard. He kills Will. Will. With his, like, hand Cuff chains. Yeah, handcuffs. Just wrap them around. You, why would you walk in front of this dude? That's why you're supposed to chain the hands to the legs. Yeah. Why didn't they do that for this guy? But he's been in solitary this whole time, so I guess they, like, didn't... Mm. Guess where he's the- going straight back to. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that was literally his plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Didn't, didn't he say Moriarty sent some people to, to try to, to kill him in jail? Oh, so he probably, yes. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm a little safer in solitary. Yeah. Also, if he got Will to, to cut out the clipping and someone found out about that, then Moriarty found out that Moron's been oh. looking into shit. So kill Will to, you know, get, get rid of that loose end. And also, he probably went into solitary the first time because those two people tried to shank him. And he probably killed them. Mm-hmm. Shanked them right back. And that will get you into solitary. Yeah. So. Anybody's looking to get into solitary, that's how you do it. <laughs> I just need some alone time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as he's being carried away, he sings a song that's uh, probably originally an Arsenal song that he adds to be about Sherlock. And it says that... Uh, Sherlock always, Sherlock's up, Sherlock's down, but he always wears that sacred frown, Mm. which is probably crown, but Sherlock is frowning. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It is pretty funny. And then we get our short intro. 
Boodoo. That's it. Yeah. That was the whole it. Because this is a lot of episodes. This is, a, this is doozy. This is hefty. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you right now, folks, this episode's a cliffhanger. It doesn't say it's a two-parter, but it's basically a two-parter. Pretty much, so hold on tight. So when you get to the end of this and you're like, no! Just know that that's how we felt when we were watching the episode. Yeah. You better hope you get to hear about it next week. Mm-hmm. Hopefully neither of us are, you know, sick or hit by a train or something and can't do the podcast. Yeah. I don't think that would be something that would happen. No, if I got hit by a train, you would definitely come to the hospital with the laptop and microphone, and you're like, we're getting this done, mister. Well, it would cheer you up, wouldn't it? Um, I think if I was hit by a train, uh, talking for two hours would not. But it would be with me. (laughs) About elementary. Blink, 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 blink. I'm batting my eyelashes at you. Uh Uh-huh. Blink, blink, blink. How about you don't get hit by a train, and I won't get get hit by a train, and we'll be good. Okay, I make no promises. Okay. <laughs> so, they go to Captain's office, and the Captain is like, Hey, so, um, people dis- people who were there when Sebastian killed that dude said that he, like, put his finger to his lips to you, to, like, you know, like, he had some secret that he told you, and you have to keep it, and Sherlock's like, I don't know what, what you're talking about. He's like, no, no, no. Sebastian was eating some Cheetos mm-hmm. during the meeting, and he was just like licking the the dust off his fingers, the side of his finger. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just he just likes his finger. He was giving it a little smooch. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. Um, do you think Captain actually buys that? No, I I think Captain knows that there's something, but he's not going to get it out of Sherlock. Mm-hmm. I think he might slightly chalk it up to like. Criminals are crazy. They do weird stuff all the time. But I think he probably knows that Sherlock knows what's going on. And he'll either do the right thing and let Captain in when he needs to or get booted again, I Mm -hmm. guess. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Captain is also kind of just like, yeah, this isn't my problem. I've got real crimes to solve. (laughs) Right. As opposed to a murder. (laughs) But Joan knows. Joan is like, Sherlock, we're going to talk in this side room right here. Mm-hmm. You have been teaching me to ferret out lies. And here you are. And you are being a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> so don't hamster around on me. <laughs> um, you better you better tell me. And Sherlock is like, no, I was lying. I was just doing that to see if you saw that I was doing one of the things that liars do. I was testing you, Joan. I was testing you. And Joan's like, no, you weren't. And Joan's like, you're testing my motherfucking patience. (laughs) You're not a doctor anymore, Joan. (laughs) How hoo hoo, got him. (laughs) And then Sherlock is like, for the record, I was going to tell you, just not in the police station. Yeah. I was going to wait till we were home, Joan. Joan. So he shows her the article about Phil's death and everything. And he's like, I don't know if it's Moriarty, if Moriarty exists, but we do just got to check that this dude, if whether this dude is killed or not, and then we can kind of follow that lead. We'll see where it goes. So, of course, the way that they do this um, to see if he had a heart attack or not, Joan is like, is there an autopsy we can look at? And Sherlock's like, he's a middle-aged man who died of an apparent heart attack. He, no, he didn't get an autopsy. So what they do instead... Is go down to the local funeral home 
and uh, find him there. Doing a little B, a little E. Yeah, they break into the, the funeral home, and, and Joan's like, we just broke into a funeral home. And Sherlock's like, with the amount of security they have, you can barely call that breaking and entering. Yeah, it's just entering. Yeah. But who cares? I don't think that will stand up in court, uh, but as they say, I anal. I am not a lawyer. Okay, say the whole words next time, I think, is a good idea. And Joan says, you know, you're talking about this way too casually for this to be your first time doing this. And Sherlock says, well, yeah, you know, there was the problem of Tor Bridge, which I was like, that sounds like a Sherlock Holmes story. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it is. It's a short story from 1927. Wait, no, it was first published in 1922 in a magazine and then in the Casebook of Sherlock Holmes collection in 1927. Mm. So he must have uh, broken into a mortuary in that one, too. Fun facts about historical fiction. And now you know. Now you know. And the killer in that one was a mongoose as well. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're in the, the morgue. And just like Sherlock had, had hoped, uh, Mr. Lanthropist was scheduled to be embalmed tomorrow morning. So he's still autopsyable. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So Sherlock uh, checks him out, uh, sees no indications of uh, defensive wounds or, you know, anything under the fingernails. He does notice four bruises on the palms of each hand, mm-hmm. almost as if you were to, you know, squeeze your hand very tightly and bruise yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, something uh, that is quite common in electrocution. Yes. People who are struck by lightning, even, Joan mm. points out. Yes. Yeah. And so Sherlock is like, well, that's interesting, but it doesn't really tell us everything that we need to know. Joan. And yeah. holds out a scalpel. Mm-hmm. And Joan is like, I'm not doing a nighttime yeah. autops- autopsy on a broken into place. And Sherlock's <laughs> like, okay, I'll do it. As if as if they broke in six hours earlier, she would have been totally game for it. <laughs> well, if they could have asked the funeral parlor people. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Sherlock's like, okay, I'll do it. And Joan's like, well, no, don't do it from the, you got to start from the shoulder. And then Sherlock's like, okay, here I go. And Joan's like, you have to press harder. No, you have to press even harder than that. You're not doing, okay, stop. Do you think he's doing this on purpose? I really don't know. <laughs> Because I thought that he might be doing it on purpose. He doesn't have as mischievous of a look on his face mm-hmm. as he would have, I think, if he was, like, purposefully doing it. Yep. But I think he is glad that Joan's doing it. Mm-hmm. Both because, like, I mean, she has, you know, she's more into the case. But also, I don't, I think he wasn't pressing hard enough because he didn't want to do it. Yeah. It's kind of icky. I mean, he's Sherlock Holmes, but still, it's kind of icky. <laughs> I think he would have done it if he was alone. But since he has a former surgeon with him, he's like, be a lot more efficient if you just did this. Yeah. And she starts doing it. And he's like, it's amazing work. You are really very talented. And she's like, we're not, we're not going to bond over this. (laughs) It's the middle of the night and I'm carving up a a corpse. This is not the last 20 seconds of an episode. (laughs) We're not bonding. Right. So Joan in her autopsy notices that. He does have a pacemaker, and she looks near it, and she notices that the blood near his heart, like, coagulated and, like, burned little bubbles. She's like, it looked like his blood boiled. He was very angry about something. 
<laughs> yeah, they'll go into his go back into his office and see that he was on Twitter in the middle of a, an argument. So Sherlock's like, maybe it was murder. Be a pacemaker. And Joan is like, well, maybe the pacemaker just malfunctioned. That happens, mm. you know. And Sherlock's like, well, this company that made his pacemaker is advertising that they are making a pacemaker that can't be hacked. Like, they're developing one that can't be hacked. Which implies the current ones can be hacked. Yes. Yeah. It's like putting on your cereal box, like, now with no lead. (laughs) Uh, okay. Although, sometimes that's just a, a, a nifty little marketing technique. Um, like, I believe it was Coca-Cola or some other bottling factory um, that was like, hey, we clean and steam our glasses before we put any product in them. And every other company was like, yeah, fucking so do we. Yeah. Everyone does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the consumer doesn't know. Right. Like, oh, wow. Super clean. Cool. Why, didn't, why doesn't Pepsi say that? <laughs> yeah. So now it is the next morning. And Sherlock is poking at his fire and Joan comes in and she's like, why are you playing big band in the background? And Sherlock's like, well, you know, I was researching speakeasies, got me thinking about, I haven't listened to this band in a while. So we're listening to it. And she's like, and why is there a little guy on a stake in our fireplace? (laughs) And he's like, I'm in an argument with a guy online about Plato. No, Galileo, which I don't know. I don't get it either. I don't get it. But he's got a little, Plato creature, <laughs> a little man up on a like a just a little stick, a stake. Yeah, like that that you would like light a witch on fire with. Mm-hmm. But doll size, but doll size, just in the in the fireplace. I love it because this is like there are times in episodes where they'll, where they'll be like, yeah, Marcus, we need a broom because we're trying to catch an elephant. I don't know, but you know, like there, there's like mm-hmm. stuff like that where it's just like. It, there's no way it makes sense to with how little they're explaining it. Right. And now we, we get to be on that side of it, of just like, I'm in an argument with someone online, so I have to burn this little man that I have made on the stake in our fireplace. I just like that he has time in the middle of a murder investigation to get in an argument online with somebody about <laughs> Galileo. <laughs> yeah. So the reason that Sherlock was looking at his speakeasies was because... Um, this guy, Phil Lanthropist, was on the historical landmark committee for New York or whatever. So he's one of the people that decides if people get, like, historical landmark status. Mm-hmm. And... Which comes with what? Like, like you can't fuck with it. It has to, like, say where it is. And you get... Do you get, like, federal funding? I don't know if you get funding. I know that you... That, like, the codes that you have to be up to are mm-hmm. different like you don't have to you you're cut the place yeah you're allowed to have lead in your paint it, yeah I don't, I don't know what the, <laughs> what the line is but it's something like that you know like um yeah you probably get funding of some kind so there had been recently a landmark that had been going back to the committee like f- several times for to get their status revoked because when you're a landmark building you can't just tear it down and build whatever you want because it's a landmark. Mm-hmm. So this shell corporation owns this grocery store that has a speakeasy in the back. That's been like perfectly preserved as a little speakeasy museum. But the owners, you know, want to put 
condos or whatever there. Something makes more money. Mm-hmm. Cash shmoney. Ching-ching. Ka-ching. So this grocery store speakeasy has been going back to the committee to try and get their landmark status revoked. And every time they go for a vote, there's a couple more votes in their favor. And Sherlock has noticed that every committee member that changes their vote to revoke then gets this really nice kitchen renovation by this guy, this, like, skyscraper architect guy. Well, if he normally does skyscrapers, what does he do when making kitchens? He's bribing. Oh. This is what he's doing. He's bribing the committee members. He's like, hey, let me tear this shit down and build something nice, and I'll give you something nice. I'll tear your shit down. A new kitchen island. Whoa! Yeah, exactly. These people's kitchens are probably as big, if not bigger, than our apartment. Yeah, probably. And they were like, I want a nicer kitchen. Yeah, and they probably have a dishwasher that doesn't sit on a table. Yeah, and is always connected to the wall and not just (laughs) sometimes. They can probably use their sink and their dishwasher at the same time. Mm. They probably have multiple sinks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, if we were rich, we'd we'd have like closet with a mini fridge in it just for babo food. (laughs) meat in the fridge and treats and stuff yeah so these other committee members have been getting bribes but this guy had a pacemaker so he's gonna he gets murdered instead yeah i I mean i'm assuming they tried to bribe him before it's a little easier than hacking into a pacemaker that makes sense yeah but it didn't work yeah and so now with his vote to revoke the license um i guess it's gone through so they did it. Great. Yay! Fuck history. <laughs> now, so the skyscraper architect that we talked about before, who was doing the Renault bribes, um, Sherlock shows Joan his picture, and he's like, "You recognize this guy, Rob Bauman?" And Joan is like, "Oh yeah, I recognize him. How does he get his teeth so white?" And then when they're theorizing about it later, they're she's like, "Oh, so you think bleach teeth is behind all this?" <laughs> And Sherlock's like, oh, yes, I think Bleach Teeth is the mastermind. But then Bleach Teeth is walking along the road. And you know it's him because he's saying into his phone, I need to get my teeth bleached. <laughs> I'm Bleach Teeth. That's why they call me that. <laughs> and... um all of a sudden, there's this guy in an apartment, the the same... Living room guy. Living room guy, yes, is in a building and he's got an air conditioner that he's wiggling loose. And then he's looking at his watch and he's got a little timer and he's watching the guy walk along and he's clearly watching the timer and the watch and then... And then, right then, at that moment, Bleach Teeth bumps into a lady mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I think I might have a crush on this lady. <laughs> And then the air conditioner is like, I have a crush on you. <laughs> Crunch. And she, uh, he actually like bumps into this woman and she's like, try saying excuse me, dildo. <laughs> and then she hears the crunch and she turns around again and she's like, ah! she's like, oh no, dildo. <laughs> <laughs> no, dildo. <laughs> so 
Sherlock and Joan are on the scene now, and they're like, oh, dang, our, like, biggest suspect just got crunched. Our theory just cooled off a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Our theory is dead on arrival. Ooh. And, um... Joan is like, come on, an air conditioner falling on his head? The, the math, the geometry, the timing, the science. Physics. There's no way. This has got to be an accident. So they go to home to the brownstone, and Joan is folding her laundry, you know, just having a nice relaxing time. And all of a sudden she hears... In the, wi- in the window behind her, you see an air conditioner fall. And then crash into the ground. Mm-hmm. She's like, what was that? And she looks out and she sees like a crunched air conditioner on a big chalk X on the <laughs> ground. And Joan is like, Sherlock, did you just throw, you didn't just throw an air conditioner off the roof, did you? And he's like, it's actually a lot easier than you think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm not worried about your ability to do it. It's just dangerous. Why did you do that? She's like you could, you could have hit someone. And he was like, "One, I checked the courtyard before I pushed the AC out. And two, it landed right on the X I drew on the first try. On the first try. Math isn't that hard, Joan. Imagine if I had practiced, I could probably hit a moving target after three or four air conditioners. <laughs> I gotta call my dad. I need some more money to buy air conditioners. I've, I've got an HVAC guy." <laughs> for a discount. Mm-hmm. This is the scene where you can see Sherlock's belly in between the little buttons of his shirt. Yeah, he's just wearing a shirt and vest. But, you know, shirts do that thing where they, like, you know, bunch up sometimes. And, and yeah, so there's a little opening in between the and two the, of the buttons. And, and he's, like, gesturing with his hand in front of that slit in his shirt mm-hmm. for, like, most of the scene. But every once in a while, it's, like, Little peekaboo. He's like, oh, hey, Tommy. Hello. <laughs> it's like his chest. It's like his sternum area. Upper tummy. Either way, it's pretty hairy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, the, you know, that's the closest that we got to seeing his chest this episode. Ugh, that's the real cliffhanger. Every episode can't be a winner. <laughs> you know? There's also no romance in this episode. A.K.A. no Marcus Bell. Oh. Did you notice that we got through the whole episode and he's not in it once? He is. Um, he, he's questioning um, living room guy at the end when Sherlock comes in with the, the message on the phone. Oh, so he's silently... You can see his the back of his head? The, the side of his head when Sherlock comes in. Like, you, you can't tell who's questioning him until Sherlock comes in and you see that it's, it's Marcus. Wow. Wow. Hey, but he still got his full $25,000 check for this episode. (laughs) But he didn't speak. Oh, well, he got his $25 check for this episode. (laughs) I don't know how that works. If he's like a character that usually talks, if he doesn't talk in an episode, you know. I think it would just depend on the contract. Mm -hmm. I hope he gets paid double for this episode. (laughs) You know, he gets paid for being an actor and also for... You know, to make up for missing out on being in the episode. Mm. <laughs> An apology, 25 grand. <laughs> yes. I wish my work would apologize to me for 25 grand. I wish my work would just apologize to me. 
You're welcome for working in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so Sherlock and Joan are discussing this because, you know, Bleach Teeth must have been a pawn. Because, you know... We're still calling him Bleach Teeth, even though those are now probably... <laughs> What, in the concrete? <laughs> They're still bleached. So concrete teeth. Mm-hmm. He must have been a pawn, maybe of Moriarty, maybe of someone else. Mm. But, you know, either way, it's probably a smart smart person. And Joan is like, okay, so what are we going to do now? And I like this detail that they put in there, which is Sherlock was like heading downstairs when Joan interrupted him. Mm. And so he's like, well, first of all, I'm going to clean up the AC. <laughs> and then we're going to plan the murder. What? Mm-hmm. Planned? Yes. A murder? Mm-hmm. Sherlock has watched this assassin and all the other killers that they've solved crimes about before, and he's just inspired. And he <laughs> says, you know what, Jonah? This crime-solving stuff for, is not for me anymore. It's just like these criminals are so dumb. I could do so much better. And you know what? I will. And we will, Joan. <laughs> You're my appendix. You're my appendix. <laughs> And we're going to turn to the dark side. Yeah. So he starts sharpening his knives. So Sherlock can't be bothered to clean up, you know, the trash in his apartment or the gross fridge. But he does clean up the AC that he drops in the courtyard. Very responsible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be because, like, the courtyard is communal property. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like public property. But the apartment... He's like, Joan, you signed up to live with me. <laughs> and this is what it's like. So this is my domain. I'm going to do what I want. So no, they're not turning to the dark side. They're just getting into the killer's head. Because Sherlock has found somebody that he thinks is going to be the next target in this string of accidents. Hmm. Wink. So it's this woman whose dad used to own the speakeasy grocery store Mm -hmm. so she's like the only one who's still attached to it being a historical landmark quite vocal about it Mm -hmm. anytime the vote comes into play she makes a fuss sends out press releases gets Mm -hmm. on the news Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so joan is like oh so you yeah it makes sense that this person would be next should we should we warn her and sherlock is like no we should try to kill her we're planning her murder we're evil now, Joan. <laughs> but it does make sense, because if you're going to make uh, someone die look like an accident, you got to know a lot about them mm-hmm. and what could actually happen to make it look like an accident. Exactly. So they go to the park and begin stalking her. Mm-hmm. It's fine. They're at a normal distance, and they're not... They're doing it to save her life, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? So <laughs> now we get a little crossover moment. Between Elementary and Amazon Prime's The Boys. <laughs> because Sherlock is talking and uh, about what Miss Taggart was up to today. And then you hear just like... And he's like, huh? Huh. And John's like, you okay? And he's like, yeah. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, so blah, blah, blah. And then they notice that Miss Taggart is wearing a medical bracelet. Now, what are medical bracelets for? Uh, diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, DNRs, mm-hmm. uh, allergies. Mm. Anything an EMT might want to know that you can't tell them. Um, because you're having an emergency. Because your tongue fell out of your face. 
Oh. Or uh, any other. So you can have a medical bracelet that says, like, salamander tongue. (laughs) What's a salamander tongue? You know how, like, salamander, yeah, the tails will just come off and Uh you have to grow a new one. It's like that, but it's your tongue. Hmm. You have to warn the EMTs about it or they like, won't. Don't take me to the hospital. I can't afford it and I'll be fine in five to eight hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more like weeks, but yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. Your dad never told you about somebody with a salamander tongue in his no. time as an EMT? He hasn't. It's pretty common, actually. It's weird <laughs> that he hasn't seen one of those yet. Or maybe they're so common that he's like... This is a boring story. I don't need to tell him about this. He knows. Yeah, another person's tongue fell out today. Whatever. But no, Sherlock is like, ho, 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 Joan, we've got it. I know what it is. And he starts like running away. <laughs> and he's like, come on, Joan, we've got a mystery to solve. So they're walking around the park and he's like, I think the medical bracelet that Miss Taggart has is for an allergy. And maybe she's allergic to something like insects Ooh. and he's like i could have sworn i saw an africanized honeybee and do you remember when africanized honeybees were like in the news uh no it was like a big thing it was like our bees are becoming africanized maybe this was in the height of the africanized bees craze that they had this episode <laughs> but sherlock is like you know those are they're like the attack bees murder hornets right <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, so, you know, if you wanted to make someone look like an a- like they died accidentally, putting their j- biggest allergen, you know, in, in the park where they run all the time, would be a pretty good way to do it. So he looks around and he finds a little thing of sugar water, which is great bee food, mm-hmm. and a little hive of Africanized honeybees. He's such a nerd. He's like... Well, it's going to be south-facing with getting just enough sunlight. Not too much wind. (laughs) And here it is. (laughs) And Joan says, okay, but if she's that allergic to bees, she's going to have an EpiPen on her. And Sherlock says, sure, that might save her from one bee sting, but not from an army of bees. And he says, an army of bee assassins. (laughs) He, like, looks kind of excited about it. He's like, I love bees. <laughs> yeah. When he figures out that it's Africanized honeybees, he's like, a man after my own heart. <laughs> because he's going to kill somebody with a single stick. <laughs> Make it look like an accident. Um, so now that they know what the murder weapon is, uh, they, they realize that uh, whoever put them here has to feed them. And the sugar water is running low, so they're going to have to feed them soon. So they decide to stake out the beehive. Mm-hmm. So they sit on a little bench. Eating pierogies. Yeah. Are pierogies different from pierogies? Um, I don't know. Yes. Uh, one is a little rougher. The other has a little uh, polish on it. Uh, pol- polish. <laughs> they're both pol- The I don't. I think they're... Both? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. Anyway, they're eating their little pierogies, and Joan says to Sherlock, "You know, what are we? What are you going to do when this guy appears? When we get him? Because the last time you found a minion of Moriarty's, you kind of stabbed him with an ice pick." <laughs> so Sherlock says, "Well, my plan is not to skewer him with an ice pick. 
I'm, I'm not going to go the torture and murder route that I was going to go with the other guy. I want to find who he's working for. And Joan is like, well, I mean, why should I believe you? What's changed? And then we get a sentimental moment mm. that Sherlock will not admit to because he's a man of science. So he's he's a smarty boy. He's not like, a- I've made an observation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've tested my hypothesis, mm-hmm. uh, and the results say mm-hmm. um, that I was only thinking about murdering and torturing this person because at the time you were about to uh, be done as my sober companion and move on with your life, and I was all alone. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not all alone. Now I have a reason to not get sent to jail for torturing and murdering. He says... Before, I had only made one meaningful connection in my life, which was Irene Adler. And now we're entered into a partnership, an arrangement which I find very rewarding. You're an interesting project. He doesn't say that she's a meaningful connection, but it's kind of implied. Mm -hmm. And then he says, the thing that's different about me, empirically speaking, is you. And then you and I went, oh. And Joe smiled. Joe smiles. She's like, that's one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. And Sherlock's like, well, it's empirical. I'm just speaking empirically. It's just a fact. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't being simp- sentimental. <laughs> He's so unsentimental, he doesn't even know how to say it. <laughs> it's really nice. That's sweet. We get so many of these moments, and I just, I love them every time. Mm. Every time he's just like, you being around is good. (laughs) I like it. Makes my life good. Makes my brain work. Friendship. It's probably hard, like, living with a genius. Like, knowing whether or not he thinks you're, like, a worthwhile person. Yeah. Not that Joan really ever gets her self-esteem from, like, how other other people think of her, but... It is nice. I feel like I feel like Sherlock over the the seasons gets It's it's fun to watch him get kind of fast and loose with it where eventually he's like, "Come on, Joan. I love you. You're my friend and we're we're best friends, we're family." So, it's fine. You know, that's like scene 7. <laughs> but still there's like it's like slowly like gets a little like I I think it's not that he doesn't want to have friends. I mean, I think the thing with Irene dying, like, fucked him up with, like, making connections with people, but I think he wants to be able to do it, and so as he becomes friends with Joan more, he's just like, I'm a friend. You're my friend. (laughs) You're my friend. I like it. (laughs) I saw today that um, Bernie and Ert Mm Mm-hmm. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) We both were fine with that. Ernie and Bert from Sesame Street, Uh they have Twitter accounts, and their Twitter descriptions are friend of Ernie Mm -hmm. and roommate of Bert. (laughs) But I feel like that's kind of like... I don't know. It kind of reminds me a little bit of them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, especially earlier. 
yeah, definitely. seasons. That's probably how like Marcus would describe <laughs> his relationship with Sherlock. It would be like coworker of <laughs> yeah, like friend of Marcus Bell, and, like colleague of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> anyway, friendship moment. But it's not a friendship moment. It's an empirical science moment. Yeah, so it's fine. It doesn't matter. Just a scientific observation. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you know, um, I'd like to promise that I'm not going to torture and murder this guy. I'd also like to promise that if I found a, a needle filled with heroin tomorrow morning, I wouldn't stick it in my arm. But we don't know the future. Sorry, Joe. So then the beekeeper arrives. So their conversation's done with. The beeper. The beeper. The beekeeper. The be apostrophe keeper. Mm. Mm-hmm. If uh, if Julia uh, Dreyfus did a, a show about this guy, it'd be called Beep. Beep. <laughs> if I did a show about this guy, it'd be called Honk. I don't get it. What we're doing? How did you come about up with your me. title? <laughs> beep beep. Honk honk. <laughs> I wrote a TV show. It's called The Gesture You Give to Truck Drivers So They Blow Their Big Air Horn. <laughs> so they go up to the beekeeper. Sherlock is like, listen, I'm not planning on murdering this dude, but I'm not going to let him walk away. And he pulls out his little taser. His taser. Do you think this is the same one that he stole from... Um, that se- killer secretary from like episode <laughs> six or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this was used on me. I can't wait to use it on someone else. <laughs> so he goes up to Mr. Beekeeper and he's like, Hey man, can I see your notebook? Thanks. And he takes it out of the guy's hands and he's like, huh? Air conditioner throwing math. Interesting. He, and he also says, he says, Hey, I'm with the NYPD. Give me your notebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy's like, you can't just take that from me. And also, there's nothing illegal about math. Yeah. And Sherlock's like, well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I've got something shocking to say. (laughs) Don't tase me, bro. Ugh. That was, so I wrote in my notes that he was going to electrify the guy because I couldn't remember the word taser. (laughs) And that was genuinely how I remembered it was like, what did that guy say? He said, don't tase me, bro. Don't electrify me, bro. Don't electrify me, bro. So they bring Mr. Beep back to the brownstone. And in the straitjacket. Straight into the jacket. And that's where it goes. Chekhov's straight jacket. Mm-hmm. Anytime I see an object twice in an episode, I'm like, Chekhov's object. Uh-huh. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's smart screenwriting. So Sherlock is like, we have your cell phone, mister. We know that you've been going on the internet. That's so much data. Our plan is shot. You're going to have to pay the plan for this month. No, he doesn't. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> it's a flip phone. You can't go on the internet with that. No. They have his encrypted texts. Ooh. And so they tell him the situation. 
their proposal. Sherlock says, I'm going to text Moriarty on your phone. Tell him something went wrong and we need to meet face to face. And then if you tell us everything you know about him before he gets back to us, We'll tell the police you cooperated, and they'll make sure that you're treated okay in prison. If and you don't, we won't. So they go, and they put a little bellhop bell Ding. in between his legs. Mm-hmm. That's like, her, his legs are like in a V, and they put it in the middle of the V. And I'm just like, what does he ring that bell with? His leg. He brings his leg up and over and... Yeah, and like, you know, taps it with his thigh. <laughs> I mean, because when, when he does, when they come back in, he's he's sitting crisscross applesauce. <laughs> so each leg hit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're in the, they go in the other room and then like 20 seconds later, he rings the bell. So they're in the room and they send the message off to Moriarty and um, Sherlock's like, do you want to calm down? Do you want, do you want some tea? Joan's like, uh, no, but I could use a drink. And then realizes what she just said to an addict and oh sorry yeah (laughs) yeah and then we hear bing and then another bing so mr beep is like listen i'm gonna tell you everything i know but it's not a lot sorry so he has killed 31 people oof for Moriarty. Well, well, here's I don't think that part is true. I think Joan asks how many people have you killed and he says 31. Mhm. And then he explains how how it all happened, how Moriarty or someone got in contact with him and was like, "Hey, I know you're a serial killer. I want to talk to you." Oh, so some amount so, of those were not yeah, for Moriarty. I think that's just 31 people total. Some of those have been recent. And for this Moriarty individual. So yeah, that's what it is. He was in England to do something for his work. And this guy comes up to him and is like, let's have lunch because you're a serial killer. And and how do you say no to that? <laughs> and then he says one more thing. One more thing. He's seen Sherlock's face before. Because he got a text from Moriarty with Sherlock's face. And he had a, he, he was like, you were doing drugs at the time, so I had a hot shot prepared. I was going to make it look like you, you know, gave yourself some bad stuff and you died. And then I got a text that said, job canceled. <gasps> mm. What? Mm-hmm. That was the only time that it ever happened. Yes. So Moriarty texts back, which is kind of quick. And he says that he wants to meet at the Parthenon, which is a diner. So Joan and Sherlock are going to stake out the diner and, you know, see who's waiting around for Beep to show and then follow that person back to wherever they came from. So there's this guy who looks like he's trying to look like he's strung out, but he's got this like really expensive watch and he's got a manicure on his nails and stuff. And he leaves. He gets into a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And then takes off his wig. Oh, I didn't see that part. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Sherlock is like, okay, Joan. So just follow him. Try not to lose him, but don't be too close. But don't you know, lose him. Just, like, very useful information. <laughs> Joan's like, do you want to drive? <laughs> very useful advice. Uh, also, he can't. 
because it's the wrong side of the road. He, you don't think he could adjust? No, I don't think he's smart enough. <laughs> so then the Ferrari guy, they're following him. They're following him. He pulls up to a set of train tracks and he just like waits there for a little bit. And Joan is like, what do you think he's doing? And Sherlock's like, he's trying to make sure nobody's following him. And then at the last second, he goes to the other side of the train tracks and a train starts going by. Oh, man. And a car pulls up to meet with him. Meet with him. And but now we like, can't see who it is because there's a train in the way. Dang it! And Joan's like, they're definitely going to be gone by the time the train is passed. And Sherlock's like, I got it. So he gets his camera out. He's got this, like, DSLR or whatever. And he starts um, taking some quick, quick shots. Some burst photos. Hmm. I don't know what it's called when it's not on an iPhone, but that's, <laughs> you know, he's taking a bunch of pictures. And then they go home and Sherlock explains what he's been doing. So he's like, camera shutters can go super fast. They can see stuff faster than the human eye can, you know, process. process. So he's taken all of the photos that have like caught these little slits between the trains as the train as it has gone by. The train cars. Train yeah. cars. Yes. Thank you. And he's cut out the little strips that he's able to see. And... You know, individually, all you see is a little bit of a person, but... Half of an eye. You throw 20 of these together, and you've got a face. You got a really weird-looking face collage. (laughs) But you take that weird face collage over to Beep, and you say, Have you seen this man before? And he says, Yes. Oh! Got him. So we've got somebody. And Sherlock and Joan were talking about this in the car. Joan is like, do you think it was actually Moriarty that, like, went up to Beep and told him, I know you're a serial killer? And Sherlock's like, you know, I don't know. It could have been a minion, but it is very um, tempting to think that it was actually Moriarty himself. Mm. And we would have known if it was a minion. Because instead of saying, I know you're a serial killer, he would have said something like, Banana. I've been shaking my head since I realized the joke you were going to make. Disappointed! (laughs) (laughs) Banana. But when this guy went to talk to Beep for the first time, they had a little conversation, and he mentioned a few things, such as, you know, uh, going to school... At, at a boarding school. Reform school. A reform specific, school. Specifically. Which is apparently kid jail. Which is like instead of kid jail. Yeah. But Sherlock but talks about jail. like the prisoners there and their cellmates. <laughs> so. Yeah. One thing I noticed is that when Beep is describing this guy, he just says he's tall, striking, and British. And then when they get the picture of him, it's a black man. And that means that they probably wrote the script colorblind and they cast the most dashing, intelligent looking man that they found. See, Beep, is, he's a serial killer, but he doesn't see colors. Mm-mm. Except red. <laughs> the blood of his victims. It's like, we're all red on the inside. <laughs> we should be red on the outside, though. <laughs> <laughs> so now they've been working at this case for a long time. Feels like almost 40 minutes. <laughs> Sherlock is um, staring at the photo on the wall. 
I can't emphasize enough how much this doesn't really look like a photo of a person's face. <laughs> like, it has all of his features, but it's not quite lined up for obvious reasons. Yeah. I think it's more realistic that way, that he didn't get, like, he got a full face, but it's not, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you probably got, like, 95% of a face. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I also noted that uh, Sherlock kind of looks like a penguin because he's wearing um, an outfit he's been wearing for like several scenes now of a white button-up shirt and a black vest and black pants. He just looks nice and he looks sort of (laughs) penguin-like. And no undershirt. So Joan is asleep on the desk because they've been working for hours and hours and hours and... Sherlock wakes her up by, like, kind of putting a bunch of stuff on the desk and it makes this, like, bang noise. And she's like, huh, what time is it? And Sherlock says, it's the middle of the workday in England. <laughs> so England is four hours or, depending on um, daylight savings time, five hours ahead of America. That's it? Mm-hmm. Which means that it's... Probably, like, like if it's noon in England, then that means it's, like, 8 a.m. for Joan and Sherlock. Or it's, like, you know, maybe 9 or 10. So does that mean they were working all through the night? Till, the, till 10 a.m. in the morning? Yeah, I guess so. These kids and they're detecting. Well, they're trying to, you know, save lives here. It's true. So Sherlock has discovered something. The reason he knows it's the middle of the workday in England is because he has reached out to his contacts who have reform school records. So, you know, it's one of the few things that they know about this guy. And so he's like, I was looking through the reform school records and I found this kid, John Douglas, who is like kind of a little mastermind. And he looks like a young version of the guy that we saw on the other side of the tracks. And he explains to Joan, you know, this guy's roommate was... Um, attacked by bullies, a group of bullies, and, you know, six months later, three of his attackers were dead. And he's like, they could never prove it was him, but... They sent him to a different school, and the murdering stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Coincidence? Hmm. And he hasn't been heard of since he graduated at 18 and was released back into the world. Which leads Sherlock to believe that he's using a different name. A name like Moriarty, perhaps? Hmm, perhaps. Or a name like Peter, or... uh, Lightning McQueen. Probably not. Krampus? Cranston? Brian? Cranston Brian. Cranston Brian! Or, you know, something like that. Anyway, so that's quite an interesting development... But Sherlock's like, but that's all I got. I don't know. I don't know where he is. We should both go to sleep. (laughs) So then Joan wakes up in her bed to a letter that says, Dear Joan. Oops, I lied. (laughs) I know so much and didn't tell you. I know where he is. I'm off to see what would happen. Sorry. And he literally says, um, sorry to abandon you when our drama was just getting to a climax. He's like, sorry for leaving you out of this scene, but (laughs) they were recording in a socially distant set so they could only have two people. (laughs) So Sherlock has located John Douglas and he walks into the hotel that this guy's in and he's like, hello, John Douglas. 
and John John goes, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> it's you. And he's like, so, John Douglas, are you Moriarty? Are you my mother? Are you, are you my Moriarty? Uh, and he's like, no, but I know why Irene had to die, because I know that's why you're upset. Well, it's funny. He was like, he's like, no, I'm not Moriarty. I could never do what Moriarty does. And Sherlock's like, oh, yeah, please go on. Tell me about the great and powerful laws. Right, right. Like, he's like, I could never be Moriarty because that guy is really sexy. And Just, uh, it, so handsome. Anybody who's Moriarty would have to be really good mm. at sex <laughs> and math. Just like really smart and handsome. No mortal men can live up to that. But so then he says, but I do know why Irene had to die. It was because of you, Sherlock. Because of you. And. And then a red dot appears on his back and he gets shot. Rip. Yep. And it, it and then it shows up on Sherlock's chest and he's like, Ugh! and then it just doesn't. It goes away. Yeah, he, like, swats at it like a fly. <laughs> Sherlock is a cat. <laughs> uh, so now the police are here. Yep, because a man died from being killed. Gregson's like, so this guy was shot and you were here? And you don't know why he was shot. And Sherlock's like, I mean, he was about to get to the part where I would know. Like, he was a- the thing he was about to say was why he was shot. And so, no, I don't. But he didn't say it. He didn't say it because he was shot. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I don't know. And he's like, but I promise I was not here to torture and murder him like I was with Moran. And Captain's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I believe you because you're trustworthy to me. I like it when you say things. And then Joan shows up. And Sherlock's like, Joan, can you tell the captain that I'm reformed and I'm not going to torture and murder this guy? And she's like, why did you bring my medical bag with you? And when he had the meeting with, with John Douglas, he's like, oh, what's in the bag? And Sherlock's like, the means to your slow demise. And then Joan opens up the bag and it's just full of Legos. <laughs> Which, if you were going to torture someone, you could use Legos. Hot coals? No, thank you. It takes way too long to heat up. Legos on the floor, on the other hand. Oh. Yeah, they're pointy. So yeah, he's like, yeah, no, I just needed the bag to be kind of heavy. So I just put some Legos in there. Which does not explain why Sherlock just has Legos. <laughs> it's true. I mean, maybe he was he was worried he was going to get bored in the, waiting for him in the hotel room. You know, like if he was out for the day and he came back, Sherlock is just like, I've made a house while I <laughs> while I was waiting for you. So it is now time for Beep to be turned in because Captain is like, Sherlock, what are you up to? And Sherlock's like, well, I was about to come to you guys and tell you all about it, and hand in this guy that we kidnapped. That we found. That we we apprehended. Mm. Citizen's arrest. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Beep, is in the interrogation room with, apparently, Bill. And he's like, yeah, so I killed this one guy by making a form of um, flu virus that, you know, antibiotics can't kill. He's and doing the serial killer thing, which is like, I've killed so many people, but I haven't been able to tell anyone. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to tell you everything. Right. It's like when you you or I play Roller Coaster Tycoon, and the other one has been like doing something else. And then we're like, can, we, can I show you what I made? And we <laughs> walk you through the roller coaster, because it's like, it's not interesting to just know that you did it. You have to show someone else. Mm -hmm. So he's doing that, but with 18 murders. <laughs> 
I think he's going to do all 31, but he's he's gotten to 18 so far. And he has no lawyer in the room. He's just excited to get it off his chest and to, you know, impress somebody. But then Beep gets a phone text. Oh, and Sherlock knows this because he has Beep's phone. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of wingdings. Mm-hmm. But different wingdings from the other wingdings. So it's a code that Sherlock doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He hasn't he hasn't broke it yet. So he, he bursts into the interrogation room. We see Belle's profile. <laughs> and and he goes, Beep, what does this say? And Beep says, Oh. Oh. And Beep beeps me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that deserved more laughter from you. <laughs> Is that good? I didn't mean fake laughter. It wasn't fake. It was all real. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, beep says it beeps me. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that real? Yes. <laughs> you gotta figure it out yourself because it's not a code I've ever used. And so Sherlock, of course, takes it to the next guy that he knows that would read decoded texts. The only other person that he knows that has seen these texts from Moriarty. Right, right, right. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he doesn't. He doesn't just have a list. He's gonna go through. He's gonna go through all of his irregulars. Uh, no. So he takes uh, the text to Sebastian Moran, and he's like, "What does this say?" And Sebastian's like, "I don't know." And Sherlock's like, "Yes, you do." And he's like, mm, "Let me look at the incoming text log again." Okay, now back to the message. Uh, hmm. Yeah, Could mean say, anything. I don't know what it means. Could say anything. Carry the one. Is this one mean? Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen this code before, so I don't know. And Sherlock's like, come on. You clearly just decoded it in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw you etch something into your hand. <laughs> right. right. And then he goes, leave it. And Balto drops whatever he's got in his mouth. <laughs> Balto was just sniffing at something, and he was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then Sherlock goes back, back to the brownstone, and he's decoding. And I think, so this is, it's now nighttime. And Joan says to him, wow, you've been working hard since last night. Which means I think he's been trying to decode this text for like a full 24 hours. I don't know if that's true because it, isn't it like at the same time that? Oh, so just or, or maybe 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 last night was when he got the text, and it was like the next day that he went to see Sebastian and then got back from the prison and was still working on it. I think what it is actually is that Joan notices that Sherlock hasn't slept during this case, and it's been like two days, and he's like, "Well, I'm trying to decode this text, and I've almost got it. I just need." the three code cipher key that will tell me which way to something blah 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 and joan's like okay well it's 10 17 right now so why don't we go to bed at 11 if you haven't figured it out by then and then it's 1101 and sherlock is like well i may as well just i'll go to bed at midnight and then it's 1202 and he's like well i may as well just go to bed at one you, ever, you do that in high school when you were like i gotta stop what i'm doing i gotta do my homework mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll start it at seven I'm like oh it's 7 13 already uh, uh okay i'll do it at 7 30 yeah <laughs> i definitely have done that i've done that where it's like 
oh, I need to leave for this thing at 5.30, so I'll stop doing this at 5. Oh, it's already 5.07? A couple more minutes can't hurt. <laughs> but yeah, so then Sherlock says a very Sherlock thing. If him, like, randomly saying, like, really nice things to Joan is very Sherlock, him saying this kind of thing is also <laughs> very Sherlock. You know, some people, without possessing genius, have a knack for stimulating it. Because he's figured it out based on what she just said. And Joan is like, cool, it's a twofer. <laughs> uh, an insult and a boast. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sherlock is like, wow, Joan, I've noticed that you drool and I rule. But honestly, here's the thing is Sherlock drools if he he should have figured this out. <laughs> He's Sherlock Holmes. He observes everything. He knows that Sebastian, when figuring out this code, looked back at the text log. Mm-hmm. What is in the text like, log? Yeah, what would be there? So he figures out that it's the time that the text was sent is part of the code. So the time that it was sent is the three-digit code that you need to decipher, blah, 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 blah. And so he starts deciphering it. Mm-hmm. Carries the one and circles a B. And, mm-hmm. and during this, we get a um, simultaneous cut to Sebastian Hanging out in um, his little hotel room, aka prison, prison cell, uh, and he and he gets up out of bed and he and he looks himself in the mirror and he headbutts the mirror and he's singing a nice Arsenal song while he's doing this. Mm-hmm. He's singing, "Hit the football with your head, <laughs> with your head." <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> and oh. I was I was expecting. Uh, the mirror to, to shatter and him like to grab like a like a glass uh, shard or something. Uh, it doesn't. Nope, because it's um, in a prison cell. Right, and it's, so it's like aluminum or something. Yeah, they're not like every prisoner gets a Fabergé egg and a glass blown <laughs> swan. Uh, but he continues headbutting essentially the wall mm-hmm. over and over as Sherlock finally deciphers the code. Which says... Moran. Moran. Didn't know you had a sister. Either she dies, or you do. So Sherlock is like, fuck! He's gonna try and kill himself. So he calls up Captain, and he's like, Captain Sebastian Moran is about to attempt suicide. You have to call the jail that he's in. And Captain is like, great, I'll just press star 69. Because I just got off the phone with them. Oh, shoot. Because actually he already, you know, Sherlock was too late. Yeah, he says, that's great. Too late. That's great. Too late. When he smashed his head against the wall, his brain started to swell. And Sherlock is like, is he alive? And Catherine is like, yeah, he was five minutes ago, but they say he's not gonna be. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just gonna die from this. Yes. No, he's got super advanced CTE. (laughs) (laughs) He has a big headache. He's going to take six aspirin. So Sherlock is trying to figure out, like, he could have had Moran kill me. He could have had Beep kill me. He could have killed me when I was talking to John Douglas. Like, what is the game with Moriarty? And Joan says, well, looks like you're the game. You're the game. Then Beep's phone rings again. What well, rings for the first time? It's on a text. 
It rings for the first time, yes. So Sherlock goes to answer it. Joan goes to record the the um, call on her phone. Teamwork. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock says, Hello, this is Sherlock Holmes. And the voice says, I know. <laughs> I'm Moriarty. Oh, shit. We're overdue for a chat. Dang! And then... The credits roll! What? Yes! He gets an invite to tea and biscuits, and that's where we end? Yes! Hanging on to this cliff? It's such a cliffhanger! That's the episode. Damn. The, ep- the case isn't over, so we don't get 20 seconds of character development. We just get a cliffhanger for next episode. Dang. So that's episode. What did you think? I liked it. I liked it too. I Drama. Think, I think it was about 45 minutes too short. <laughs> I'm really excited to watch the next episode. Uh, the next couple of episodes. Because it's all Moriarty stuff from here, I think. We gotta catch them. We gotta find them. Do you think they're gonna do um, the Sherlock BBC thing where we actually saw Moriarty in the... F- <gasps> what if Moriarty is that uh, first cop that we met in the pilot? <laughs> That's where he's been. Oh, this shit. whole time. He was just pretending to be dumb. Mm. You never know. You never know. I thought that John Douglas would have been. I bet the actor that played him would have been a good Moriarty. I mean, like, we know it's not him because he's dead. <laughs> but I, I liked the, like, 10 seconds we got of him. Mm-hmm. It's too bad that, like, he wasn't. He didn't have a slightly longer appearance before he's you know anyway that's our episode we didn't get any twitter questions this week but we are about to have some exciting episodes coming up uh where we meet some you know we meet some characters some characters like moriarty spoilers send us your thoughts and your questions to lmnopcast on twitter um we are we've got some interesting episodes coming up and LMNOP is about to have its guest two, aka Nana Roy of Nana Roy's Nightmare and Era. No way! Banui will be on the podcast. Holy crap! Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited. Mm hmm. Me too. Nightmare and Era, of course, another podcast on the Noise Space Network, noisespace.xyz, where you can get a lot of cool podcasts like this one and the one I just said. And a new podcast, Kyle X. Why? And Live Free Twy Hard, another new podcast. And some old podcasts, like The Island Shuffle. Old podcasts, like Incontinence. <laughs> just a couple old people, they talk about incontinence. It's weird that they just titled the episode, the show Incontinence. No, no, it, it, it's, it, it's, so they, it's a travel show as well. <laughs> so it's, it's called Incontinence. Incontinent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you to Noise Space for hosting us. Thank you to the Geists, Noah, and Summer for our pod art and music. I, Val Flight Cub, can be found on Twitter at Flight Cub B. The second B stands for mystery. Ooh. And if you find me, let me know. I've been missing. <laughs> As we always say, this marble will keep on rolling. Goodbye. Goodbye.
You know who played Spider-Man in the dog version? Who? Toe Beans McGuire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he played Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>